You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. We are so excited today to talk to Eve, one of our favorite people. Hi, Eve. Hey, how's it going? So uh, just a quick introduction. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. That's Lee T, not Lady Feet, not Lady Lee. <laughs> and then I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Ben Lesh. Hi, Ben. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> and you can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Lesh. So Eve is, oh my gosh, so just does so many things for the community. Um, she is an O'Reilly author of a few React books as well as gra- a GraphQL book as well. Um, and, you know, Eve, we're so excited to talk to you, especially since you do so much training for the community through your company. Uh, what have you been up to lately? Uh, yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all. This is awesome to talk to you both, as always. Um, Lately, we've been working on the second edition of our React book, so just updating all of that stuff to use hooks and all of the new cool things that we need to learn about when you're starting off with React projects for the first time. Um, And then we've been doing a lot of GraphQL workshops, so a ton of just giving people (laughs) their first look at GraphQL and getting them up to speed on how to make it work for them. That's awesome. Ben, are you touching GraphQL yet? I, I haven't used GraphQL. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, I, I worked on what would have been a competitor had Netflix actually uh, pushed the open source ever on that, which was Falcor, um, which amazingly, so uh, uh, Jaffer Hussein, who was the main architect on Falcor, now works at Facebook. And I think he touches stuff that has to do with GraphQL. So Yeah, he was at um, the last uh, GraphQL contributor day. I think Evie, you were there too, right? Did you meet Jaffer? I did, yeah. He was talking about a ton of really cool stuff with streaming and GraphQL. So that kind of will push the limits of what GraphQL is doing. So yeah, it's yeah. really cool to see how he's getting involved and making GraphQL even better. So yeah. That's that's the one thing I've been kind of watching because that was one thing that Falcor did that GraphQL didn't do, which was uh, it had the streaming stuff. However, Falcor was wildly unsupported. Like, publicly so i don't really know that that would have been the big selling point for me but yeah but yeah i've been i've been keenly watching what uh graphql is going to do for streaming and what the streaming solutions are so it it sounds like there's a lot of stuff in the works for that right now or yeah it seems like that will be a thing every time i (laughs) hear more about it i'm really curious to learn more it's a little secretive right now but i'm hoping that that becomes more publicly available this yeah, year, yeah. hopefully, yeah. As you can imagine, everything that I'm ever asked to work on has to do with streaming data. So, totally. <laughs> so it's, it's, it yeah. is something that I'm definitely, because uh, I know like at work and stuff. So the thing about GraphQL for, for a lot of people to understand it is like, there's the graph side of it. So can you kind of tell us what it's about? Because I know that like where, where I work right now, it would be very beneficial because I know how these things work. But could you tell us more about what GraphQL does and how it works? 
Yeah, so GraphQL is basically a query language for your API, which means that you can use the language to get your data from all sorts of different data sources. So a lot of times people will talk about GraphQL is coming to kill REST and <laughs> get rid of it. And it's really uh, kind of an oversimplification because you can use GraphQL on top of REST and on top of any database. And it's a really nice way to kind of orchestrate all of these different microservices that are going on. Um, we also think about GraphQL as being a type system for your API. So that's the piece that I think is particularly cool because you can think about your domain's types and then model them with GraphQL. And then you can build all of your services based on those types. So a lot of folks who are kind of hesitant about GraphQL, I like to talk about the type stuff a lot because that gets them excited. Like, oh, we have type safety end to end with, our, with GraphQL and the schema becomes this document that really shows like what is possible with this API and uh, how should our applications work. So so with GraphQL, uh, do they have the thing like because Falcor did this and I, my assumption was always that GraphQL did the same thing too where uh, you have kind of a local um, transparent graph that you're that you're using so it's kind of cached locally and you're still getting things from the server but as a as a developer it's seamless. Like you don't really realize what's local or what's remote. You're just querying for data. Is, is that true with, with GraphQL? Yeah, absolutely. So basically the schema is this document that describes all of the data, all of the types that are part of your API. And then that data can be literally anywhere. So that's what I think is really cool for people who maybe even aren't developers, people who just need data, um, who are trying to work with Postman or things like this to get data. Um, you can go to one spot and that's usually called the graphical interface or the playground where you can just write a query and get back a ton of data for um, from all sorts of different sources. And you don't really need to know where that is necessarily. You can use the schema as kind of the blueprint for where all of that data lives and what it looks like. So I, I have a lot of conversations about GraphQL, especially at this dot with our clients talking yeah. about wanting to integrate it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I feel like it typically comes up uh, with the front end teams yeah. wanting to use GraphQL. Um, but then uh, sometimes there's this push because, you know, the front end teams that I see really want to adopt it because they feel some pain from the back end, right? Yeah. And then so then the question is, well, who owns it? So in your experience and training, has it really been the front end teams that have been doing this or have you been really making a push to the back end teams as well? I think when GraphQL first started, um, the front end teams really wanted it. Like people who go to React conferences heard a couple of GraphQL talks and they're like, what is this? I want control over this data. This sounds really cool, let's do it. And that's kind of how a lot of those conversations at companies have started. But I think a lot of teams have found that like incorporating everybody in the process of setting up a GraphQL server, a GraphQL API, um, makes backend developers really happy as well. So backend developers, kind of the paint, the hesitation with GraphQL has been like, oh, these front end developers, they're gonna just try to control all the stuff I'm trying to work on. Uh, but I think if people can work together on the schema to really um, make sure that everyone has a say in 
how it looks and how it's architected there's a lot of there's a lot of back-end people who are starting to feel how that gives them actually more power so i think people are starting to drink the kool-aid a little bit no matter where on the stack they are so yeah i feel like the back-end folks um anymore like a lot of times they're so focused on you know it depends so i'm always working with streaming data yeah. folks so they a lot of times they're really focused on trying to you know, get aggregated data from a bunch of different streaming log sources or they're, you know, there's, there's like heavy lifting they need to do there. And then when it comes to like, how are we going to expose this to front end people? Um, it seems to me, and this, maybe this is a mischaracterization, but it seems to me like a lot of times what they want to choose is the thing that's easiest for them to just be like, so we did all this work here and then I'm just going to tie this little bow on it and now it's in this shape. And so you get these uh, WAMP and some of these other protocols and so people use it. Has, has GraphQL tried to, like the back end side of it, tried to tap into how easy can we make this to tie into people's random stuff they have in the back? Yeah, I think so. I think because the GraphQL server is often like that one source of truth for what your data actually is. Um, that's why backend developers kind of like it because it all goes to that layer instead of like just microservices all over the place. And are we using this microservice? What are the fields that we need from that microservice? So yeah, I think, I think it's a good, I, I think for everybody who's working with any sort of data, GraphQL really offers some benefits just as far as organization goes, because you can, you can have every, all of, these microservices pulled together in one spot versus just like, I know this microservice exists and then a couple of us know, but maybe the front end people don't know about all of it or whatever that arrangement might be. GraphQL pulls everything into one place. Yes, I love that. Which is pretty <laughs> sweet, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I've been lately, I've been, you know, I, I, maybe I'm always like this, but, you know, I'm always wondering what the new exciting magical thing is, right? And I feel like on the front end, if you look at, um, you know, the JavaScript community, especially the sort of big three frameworks, things have stabilized. I mean, you know, everybody got really excited about hooks. I think people are still kind of, you know, mildly making that transition in a sense, but I, I feel like now there's just a lot of micro optimizations happening right yeah. and it was so nice because i think um you know a few years ago it was like oh graphql and you know now everyone can get excited about it so is graphql still on the sort of like adoption phase of where you know a few years ago remember everyone was so excited about react right um yeah. i mean everyone still is but you you get what, like that that like bright shiny excitement or are we kind of in the like sort of stabilization optimization phase of graphql now where do you think 2020 is going to bring us i think that's a good question because i always think yeah everybody's using this it's <laughs> because i'm on twitter and like i talk about graphql all day for a job um, and i think everyone uses it but i think there's still a lot of people who are still at the beginning stages of testing it out and building prototypes and things like that. Um, a lot of folks have played around with it, maybe written a few queries for some public data and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I think there's still a lot of, a lot of people who are starting to move to that right now. Um, and then on the other hand, there's huge companies who are using it heavily. 
places like Zillow and uh, Netflix is using it a lot and Twitter and places like that, they're pretty stable in like, this is what we're doing. This is how it works. We have new best practices. And that's where I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the adoption has been sort of hesitant because it's like Facebook did this and they have their own thing going on. And <laughs> I don't know if we can do this at a level of Facebook or things like that. And uh, a lot of big companies are really making huge bets on GraphQL. And I think that'll bring others along too, because it's working for other places it might be working it might work for you too are they wanting to do any stuff related to standards yeah so that's interesting too so you mean standards like uh like is tc39 having arguments about graphql oh got it <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought you meant and then i didn't want to answer a question you didn't ask but uh yeah i think Right now, the GraphQL Foundation, as you know, is getting together a lot of big companies who are um, using GraphQL in a major way. And I think that's really cool to get everyone's kind of input on where GraphQL should go. We talked about streaming earlier, and that's a huge thing that's going to be perhaps part of the spec. Um, taking a step back, GraphQL is, has a spec, and it's just describes the query language and it describes the schema definition language. And then actually implementing it is kind of up to you. There's a lot of frameworks and libraries that exist out there in the ecosystem, but everybody sort of does GraphQL similarly, but in a different way. So I think more collaboration between companies on like best practices and standards and things like that that should be a big deal in the next five years or so as people really start to adopt it. Is the streaming part of that specification already specified or are they currently working on that? I think they're just working on it. I should check that, but I think it's just part of the experimentation that they're doing at Facebook. And uh, yeah, it's something that Subscriptions were kind of the last big thing to make it into the GraphQL spec, so real-time uh, data handling, and then streaming is kind of the next piece that I think will go in the spec, too. I would be interested in that. Yeah, totally. The <laughs> subscriptions part or the streaming part? Both of them, both of them. Yeah. So the, the subscriptions alone, uh, there's a big deal in JavaScript where everything has some weird shape for cancellation. Yeah, like everything and like that's all subscriptions are is just a cancellation primitive and like so there's the world kind of needs some sort of solidification around cancellation. Um, yeah, they forced a board controller upon us with fetch. Yeah, uh, but it's something like that's I don't funny. know. Like, so, I know yeah. where you're at. They forced it up. They, they did. Yeah, what's your, how do you feel about it, Ben? <laughs> um, you know what? I, like the actual shape of the thing, I don't really have a problem, but like the names, like, come on, abort Ooh, controls. So like, hey, let's get into RxJS names real quick. We've got subscribe and subscription and abort and come on <laughs> like was, no, one, no one is really thinking that through um where, where I does behavior subject come from ben uh, yeah exactly no, no. <laughs> it's a it's um it's like a functional programming thing i tried to change it i did I <laughs> and there's like such resistance no you can't change it i'm like we could just have it named two different ways no <laughs> no totally teasing no, okay no. So 
Anyway. Well, you know, I, I look at standards always, right? And um, I was actually thinking about this other day because I was having this conversation about web components. I think like everybody a few years ago just had so much hope on web components. And then you see um, the community and, you know, like maybe it's the people who are championing it online, but it's a little abrasive. And like, is that abrasiveness, um, you know, the reason why web components are kind of still in a meh phase, right? Like, the platform will, the, the platform will save us all, right? But then I, I don't know, for some reason, I just feel like web components have kind of stalled out. And then I was thinking about, you know, Ben, when you brought up Joffer, and we're talking about Joffer at Facebook with GraphQL, and, you know, you had this really charismatic dude who's going to, you know, hopefully be championing, you know, the GraphQL spec potentially. And like, is that going to help move the needle forward way more so than, anything else. And then also, can we get a better web components champion in TC39? So, or just better I, web components would be good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, we do so much web component work, right? Like we're always doing stuff with lit, but we're also always writing tools. Like whenever we're using web components, like we're teaching our clients to use it and everything like that, but we're also side by side, like writing tools for them and then open sourcing it for the community because you know the the you know the platform is not amazingly quite there so if, if i had to make a prediction i would say that graphql and eve can maybe say but at least my my prediction with um when it comes to specs and things is the the specs and standards that come out of the standards bodies they don't generally they claim to cooperate pretty closely with popular libraries and stuff like that. And they do to some degree, but at the end of the day, the decisions that come out of it almost rarely have any alignment with uh, any popular libraries that people are using. Like there's, there's some, but not much. Um, so like, you know, abort and uh, abort controller and like web components are all really good examples of these. So like, as far as like, it's awesome that GraphQL has a spec that everyone can go look at. But like, as far as that sort of thing, getting pulled into something official like the TC39 or, or Wetwig or anything like that, like I would have serious doubts that it would, cause there's, it's probably, I would imagine the spec's quite large because it does a lot of stuff. And the more individual primitives and all these other things, like there's a, like there's a massive debate around every little fine detail in those sorts of committees. So I don't know if we would, <laughs> we would see it adopted by anything official, but maybe bits and pieces of it might be pretty useful. Yeah, I'd be interested to know that too. I think right now it's more of just this GraphQL specific thing and kind of branching out into other specs and standards probably yeah. is unlikely, I would agree, but yeah. You never well, there know. is, so there is uh, specs around subscription cancellation type stuff that they're talking yeah. about. And that's something, uh, you know, working on observables, I'm keenly watching. And yeah. I would think that, you know, as, as popular as GraphQL is, if that's something that they're working on, like I wouldn't mind collaborating and trying to get RxJS's cancellation mechanism aligned with whatever um, GraphQL does at like, no matter how many releases it takes to migrate people to that direction and then try to get, um, put some screws to TC39 people and be like, look, this is the shape everybody's using for this thing. like. Stick it to the man. Right. And then they'll still do whatever they want anyways. Because that's what they do, but. <laughs> I love Ben's strong opinions about it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, have, I have kids, right? So I'm used to like the whole like you're, uh, you, tell them, you, you tell them how you would like something done like 37 times and they just do whatever they want anyways. 
same thing. Yes. Good rules for dealing with others. Totally. <laughs> so can we uh, transition into React really quickly? Yeah. And talk about React. So, all right. What should React developers get excited about this year? What should they get excited about this year? Well, I would say people are still excited about hooks. I think that even though a lot of us feel like hooks are happening already, they're, everyone's using them, it kind of, it, it's still being adopted throughout code bases that I keep seeing when we're going to teach and things like for that. Sure, so sure. like I the think, migration's still happening. Yeah, it's still mm -hmm. happening. And then as far as what I'm really excited about is kind of where GraphQL and <laughs> React come together with suspense and data fetching and things like that. So I'm really excited about the new, um, like the concurrent mode React stuff that will really affect how the Apollo library works and Relay has already come out and works a little bit differently based on that. So I think the data fetching story for React is going to change a lot this year and perhaps into next year because we all thought it would happen like last year or the year before, but <laughs> it's coming for us at some point and it'll be interesting to see how all of that works. And with concurrency and streaming and all those kind of things like work together really nicely. It's a, it's a, it's a, so if I had to, I felt like everyone just got really excited about hooks, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, of course, I mean, I even saw, I think, uh, oh yeah, it was it Kent. Kent this morning, I think, tweeted something said, uh, "Need to react, use hooks or something yeah. like that." <laughs> um, but you know, it's the concurrency thing. Is that like a is that a this year thing? Hopefully, or I think so. I think so. It was supposed to be a last year thing, but yeah. a lot of folks are working on that now, um, yeah. and that's gonna, yeah, that's gonna change a lot of how we incorporate GraphQL into React projects quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then but yeah, I think hopefully this year. Three. Sorry, you're gonna what? You're going to have to write book number three. Oh, I know. Just constantly. All these people <laughs> keep me so busy. So <laughs> That's so great, though. Um, it's, it, so if I look at uh, all the different communities and uh, kind of look at, you know, Angular and react and view when i when i see angular angular ivy just came out so they've yeah. been waiting for that for like an entire year right the entire team has just yeah. been pounding on it totally. and it sounds like in react it's the concurrency thing that everybody's like come on come on you told us it was here where is yep. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly people are so excited and building tutorials and then people are like those tutorials are going to be out of date and it's <laughs> yeah. just yeah. constantly searching for the next thing because books were so exciting let's do the next thing so yeah, yeah that's exactly and i you know it's it's funny because we all want our stuff to be stable right we're like yeah. yes wouldn't it be great if our technology was stable but then you know we're always chasing the bright and shiny because if there's not something new going on then what's you know then we're bored totally yeah so. yeah and i think in going there's a lot of developers who we work with who this is shocking aren't on twitter and like are just trying to make things work for well, like their... what changed when like when what are you serious and yeah the react is a really amazing library angular is great too like view is excellent as well. I think the tools we have available to us as web developers are so great and see 
seeking out the next thing is literally my whole job, but um, <laughs> it's also like uh, not a hundred percent required to use the next thing right away because people are building great products with older versions of reactor whatever so yeah okay. i think it's keeping that all in balance is good <laughs> so um what's the um so like okay so react and graphql for some reason seem to just go hand in hand right yeah um you know we have uh some clients in Angular are using GraphQL as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but, and then, you know, like in Vue, I guess, you know, with all the training you do, do you feel, is it 90% React or is it other stuff as well? Yeah, I think for the most part, we teach a lot of React. Our book covers React stuff. Oh, and, um, sorry, what, sorry. I'm, what I more meant was like with the GraphQL stuff, like when you're going into a GraphQL training, is it? Yeah. It's all, okay. Yeah. So I would say 90 to 95% is uh, in a GraphQL class is React. Um, there are tons of libraries for other things as well, though. So if you're an iOS developer or if you work with, I don't know, uh, Android or Vue, there's libraries to help with all of that stuff, integrating GraphQL into your application. So yeah, I think... I React totally dominates in that space. And for the most part, we get requests to, uh, yeah, deliver content based on React in GraphQL courses, but um, there's tools out there for everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so exciting. So what do you have coming up this year? What, so what's, what are you going to be spending the majority of your time on? Yeah, I think the, so the majority of our time is going to be spent in this booth writing, <laughs> creating videos. So um, we're working on a project with Egghead to put together a kind of long format GraphQL course. And your question about React in GraphQL, we'll be doing React stuff and Vue and all sorts of stuff basically to get people ramped up on GraphQL. Um, and then we're finishing a book and then just teaching corporate workshops. So going around and <laughs> spreading the good word about GraphQL and React. So you go to a lot of conferences. Yes. So how are you feeling on your conference journey? Are you still, are you still hitting it hard or va value to time spend? Yeah, <laughs> really good question. Um, I think the past couple of years have been very conference oriented. We've been so busy traveling for a ton of conferences and that's been really good, but I think this year we're pulling back a lot just because we have we have so much work to do, and uh, we're not very good at going to travel to a conference and then coming back and getting right back into work. It really breaks up what we're trying to do. So yeah, we're pulling back a little bit, but I think one per quarter is the goal for this year. Um, Which means you'll be doing eight total probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. So yeah, double what I just said, probably, yeah. <laughs> You and your husband always seem to have so much fun when uh, you guys go travel and, you know, you, you're really just sort of living up life. Yeah, we're lucky to get to live in a fun place and then uh, travel more and more to various places. So, yeah, it's it's fun what we get to do. <laughs> you and know that. <laughs> yeah. And how is it working with the husband? 
it's good. We're coming up on eight years of working together in March. How long have you? Oh, so you've been yeah. married for eight years and you've been working together for eight years. So we've, let's see, we've been together for 12 years. We've worked together for eight years and we've been married for six years. So oh, wow. Um, wow. our company outlasts our marriage at this point. Wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, it, it's good. I think we are able to make it work. We just um, got a little office space this year, not this room, but we have a little room where most of our office stuff is now. So that's been nice to get some of that out of our house. And uh, yeah, so operation. But yeah, definitely, definitely uh, not what I would have expected to do for the last eight years because he always wanted me to work with him. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then (laughs) we ended up just working together for a long time. So it's good. That's so great. My husband refuses to work with me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's good, right? Because I think, um, you know, both of us are so crazy. Like where we work a lot. We totally enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you both, I mean, just seem to do such a great job. I know it's not always, you know, bright, shiny roses all the time, but, uh, I, I'm kind of thankful that he won't work with me, even though yeah. sometimes I'm annoyed that he won't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, in the future. <laughs> yeah. That's so I had, funny. I had this like, um, vision when we start, you know, we started dating yeah. and we both work remotely and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to all these conferences and I'm thinking, oh, this is so great because, and he even told me that he would travel with me. Yeah. And then it turns out that, you know, um, you know, he, in that time he became a CTO of his company and yeah. you know, he's on conference calls all the time. Yeah. So now he can't travel with me. Yeah. And I'm like, Dude, you totally sold me a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need to get to the airport with me. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Which makes it less fun. Right. Like it's, I, I totally love that you both can travel around and like give talks and support each other and all that type of stuff. That's just, I admire it. Oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, when is GraphQL book two coming out? Uh, we haven't started that process yet, but mm-hmm. I would assume we'll start working on that later this year. Um, yeah. Pretty much everything in the GraphQL book is pretty stable. Mm-hmm. Um, our React book. Not so much. Like, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> if you're trying to buy a React book, wait until the new one comes out because that old one is very showing its age. But I think, yeah, the GraphQL book is pretty stable. We talked about it, uh, GraphQL having a spec, and that's pretty much the first half of the book is just talking about stuff in the spec that's not going to change. And then other stuff hasn't changed yet. And we we don't really need to do it yet, but it will come for us, I'm sure. <laughs> what's your um what's the uh what's the prediction for kind of the next uh, how do you say like evolution of graph? Yeah. Like what what happens after everything kind of becomes stable and there's a spec that's implemented? Like do you think like at some point in time GraphQL will not exist? Just like, you know, frameworks will not exist anymore because it'll all be part of the platform. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That would be interesting. Um, yeah, I think it, GraphQL does solve the problem of getting data from somewhere into your mm-hmm. application. So, yeah, that could be really cool. 
just no more React, no more GraphQL. It's all just like stuff <laughs> you use <laughs> that works in a browser. But it all just runs in Chrome. <laughs> yeah, it just runs in Chrome. Don't worry about it. Throw those books away that Eve told you to buy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that would be really interesting. Perhaps. You never know. <laughs> so um, what are the, some of the top GraphQL conferences that people need to look out for? Uh, let's see. So GraphQL Summit is a big one that happens in October in San Francisco that the Apollo team puts on. Um, there's GraphQL Europe in the summer in June in Berlin. Uh, we have GraphQL India coming up. GraphQL Asia, which is in India. Are you going? I'm not going this year, but um, there's a lot of great speakers uh, yeah. who will be there. So we work um, with Petsar, and they're they're throwing it. So yeah, yeah, they're amazing. They're yeah. and we yeah. have GraphQL contributors, of course, which is yes. coming up. I think April I will be there. Yes, I'm we're very excited to have you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and those are kind of the big ones that I know about. Uh, they did GraphQL Hong Kong last year. I don't know if that's on the schedule for this year, but. Um, and then if, if you go to just conferences in general, you're bound to see some GraphQL talks there. Um, really all over the stack, back-end conferences, front-end conferences, or mm-hmm. you'll see a ton of GraphQL talks because it's becoming more mainstream. So um, I recently gave a talk with um, Chris Whited, who's one of uh, the engineers I work with here at this talk, about yeah. enterprise GraphQL because... Um, cool. We've been spending a lot of time trying to convince uh, management why GraphQL is necessary. So yeah. figured we, we turned it into a, um, a talk and also a blog post, but basically like, you know, what are the selling points? Yeah. Uh, why GraphQL is important. I think a lot of people also look at GraphQL and they say, oh, it's going to solve all our performance problems. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not true either, <laughs> even yeah. though it, I mean, it can just like yeah. any tool can, yeah. um, but it's been, it's been really fun to kind of see like the evolution of that. And it, it's kind of interesting as well, because I think um, a lot of backend teams are kind of resistant at first, yeah. um, but you know, we're, we're always trying to tell them, okay, Hey, you know, it's going to actually help you move to a more microservices architecture. And once you yeah. tell them that they're like, yes, yes, we want all of it. Yeah, do it give now. it to us. Yeah. <laughs> do that. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's a that's a piece of the GraphQL audience that I think is super important to its adoption. We've started teaching these free sessions. GraphQL is for everyone. We're gonna probably do them every other month or once a month for free online. And it basically just shows people who are managers, who are QA people, developers, no matter where you are in the stack, you're probably gonna be working with GraphQL. And so, um, yeah, I think getting that audience in the door it's not just for React developers on the front end, even though that's kind of how GraphQL started getting traction. Um, I think there's a lot of people who can benefit from it and telling that story is really cool, so. I love that. I'd love to um, partner with you on that. Yeah, totally. Think about that because we do, we do, um, you know, you can go to viewmeetup.com, yeah. reactjsmeetup.com, angularmeetup.com. Yeah. Uh, but we've been thinking about doing uh graphql and basil as well oh cool yeah awesome uh yeah i mean if you're already doing meetups we might as well just support it (laughs) yeah i would love to talk to you about that that would be awesome 
Ooh, okay. Any chance to work with you is awesome. So, well, same, same. <laughs> and you've totally reinvigorated me on this podcast because last year I was so, so, so busy and just, you know, I think we all come through those, you know, those sort of like seasons in our life where we're like, oh my gosh, what I'm doing so much. Yeah. And this year I just really want to focus on like tech and modern web and, you know, providing free content. I mean, I think conferences are amazing, just like you said. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of the us who go to conferences a lot are kind of pulling back and saying like, okay, that was fun. But like, yeah. what about, you know, just, you know, I admire the fact that you're writing a book, you're, you know, doing the egghead stuff because that's so lasting, right? Yeah. I think, I think with conferences, um, a lot of people go to those, but a lot of people don't, and you can reach a lot more people with things like you're doing all the time, uh, podcasts and online meetups and stuff. So yeah, yeah I really admire what you're doing with that. Well, Sam, I wish I could write an O'Reilly book. You can, <laughs> you just have to type into a computer for a while. It works out. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you can definitely do it. <laughs> If I can do it, you can definitely do it. <laughs> oh my God. It sounds like so much fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Eve Porcello on most places. Um, and then moonhighway.com is where we have a blog with a bunch of GraphQL and React articles. If you're looking to learn about anything specific, check those out. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Tracy. This has been great. Yes, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Modern One Podcast, and we'll see you soon. This podcast is sponsored by This.Labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. So come on, let's go, cause we got a show for you.